Hey, Ben. Paul Goody. So this is going to be a wonderful time for people because <laughs> actually it's going to be fine for other people. It's going to be wonderful for us because we're starting 15 minutes late because I had audio yes. problems. And then also we're going to be recording for two hours. So for a, for a user experience, I'm not sure how fun this is going to be, but I think it's <laughs> going to be interesting for the people because here's what's going to happen. Um, you're going to be listening to us talk now and then next week there's going to be another uh episode and it will be us much like uh let's see ben the evil dead franchise uh the evil dead franchise yes between i think evil dead 2 and army of darkness um maybe even maybe even evil dead 1 i'm trying to think was evil dead 2 just a, a kind of a remake of Evil Dead 1, or did Evil Dead 2 pick up right where Evil Dead 1 ended? It's an interesting question. Evil Dead 2 picked up where Evil Dead 1 left off. However, evil the plot of Evil Dead 2 is remarkably similar. Okay. Uh, speaking of which, Ben, have you seen the trailer... For the new Evil Dead, yeah, I can't wait. Movie. It looks really it, it it looks really good, and it looks like they understand. You know the whole the whole phrase understood the assignment. It looks like it's yeah. gonna be an Evil Dead film, <clears throat> for sure. More so than the whatever it was like the 2012 remake of Evil Dead. Yeah, um, where which I'm not Bruce even. Bruce and Sam were like still EPs on that one, and it was more of a like sincere horror movie, right? Um, and this one looks like it's—I mean, it looks like it's gonna be real horror, right? But there's uh, there there were some moments during the trailer where I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Now, see, here's the thing: I don't remember the name of the director, but I'm a big fan of uh, his film *A Hole in the Ground*. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I recommend taking a look. It it might be on Amazon Prime, it might be on Netflix, I forget which. But it's called A Hole in the Ground. A Hole in the Ground. And it's a horror film. Uh, I don't want to get too uh, too much into it, but it's it's a good it's a good film, a good horror film, one that um, that okay. Spoilers for a hole in the ground because I don't think this is going <laughs> to ruin it for you, Ben. Um, no, take take the note to put in the. Um, it it covers. Okay, here it goes. Spoiler happening. Get ready. Uh, it covers uh, like fairies, right? The fae folk, uh, the fair folk. You know the yeah, the elves or whatever. But it it follows them from the uh, the horror the fear that one really kind of feels in the old fairy tales kind of thing like it it shows how frightening that would be for people if that makes sense right and uh have i have i talked to you about the burton grip by the way you have not the 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 what the Burton Grip. Okay. Birch so here grip. we have non sequitur, everybody. Hey, look, I'm Bob Barker, right? Isn't that? Isn't that <laughs> yep, um, yep. So these these are mallets uh, that one would use, uh, you know, when you're playing the xylophone. You might do it like this. But for jazz and stuff, you, uh, you sometimes want two in one hand. So you can play kind of power chords. Yeah. Right? Um, so... So there are a couple ways to do it. I think it's the Stevens grip they call it or something like that. And I and I used to know how to do it before I switched to what I'm using now. I think the Stevens is this and it's the one that's the most popular where you where you kind of have it and you see there they don't cross over in your in your palm there's one that's held by these two fingers here. Oh, did I cut myself? Yeah, huh, interesting. Um, How do you it's taste? Held, it's held kind of, eh, not so good. Um, 
<laughs> I'm doing that, Ben, so that people aren't tempted. Yeah, I don't know. Not not great. Not great. I <laughs> not great. Um, <laughs> so you've got this this one here, and then you have this one like <laughs> this a little bit. And the idea is that you hold them kind of parallel to each other, and you're and you're hitting them like this, right? And you go in and out like that. And that's how most people are taught here in the United States. Um, but there's this guy named Burton who had a grip that is named the Burton grip after him. And the way that you do that, this one, is basically you, um, you're holding this like this. And then there's just another one that goes in, crosses over that one. Just joins the party. And they're, they're crossed over. And it, what it does is it makes it a lot more stable. And then you, and then you do sort of in and out like this. Now I'm not Adjusting great at the angle as needed. Yes. Um, with kind of one hand crossed, like I said, crossed over and you can play like this. Oh, I hit the microphone. You play. Do you have a, this is no, my, you don't have my a, sorry, go ahead. You don't have, you don't have a full marimba at home. What are you playing with these? Oh my gosh, Ben. Um, I have something that is wonderful. And allow me to say, it's the Mallet Station, made by Pearl. You may be familiar with Pearl, the uh, percussion vendor. All right. You you have brought up the Mallet Station in the past. I didn't realize it was in the current rotation. Yeah. So, the <laughs> uh, by the current rotation, do you mean topics that I talk about a lot? No, it's just um, the instruments you have that uh, is occupying your time at the moment. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. I was thinking about this, Ben. I have many musical instruments. More than I'm, you know, good at, let's say. More than I a think, full band would need. Yeah, exactly. I think that, that I could, you know, just a bunch of musicians could go come over to my house and each one could find something they could play and they could do a tour with the instruments I have in my house. Um, in fact, uh, as you know, Yukon Johnny, um, our friend John Ackerman. Yep. Um, he borrowed. Oh no, he didn't borrow an instrument. He borrowed a, a camcorder. He Never mind. Stole it. <laughs> he did not steal it. He asked me, and I said, "I will give it to you on one condition: you have to make For a, a cover album of all of my songs." Or and did he songs. fulfill that promise? He sort I know of he did. did like a couple. I don't know if yeah, he, like he sort made of a whole did. Album. I, I feel as though he he held up his end of the bargain pretty well because he he did versions of my songs that I liked better than my originals. And that's kind of that what I a, was after. That is a pretty heavy ask for borrowing a camcorder. Yeah. <laughs> that is. So that's what I mean. He did. He did more than than. Here's the thing. If he had never done it, um, I, I have a I have a friend uh, whose name I will say on the on the podcast. His name is Jamie. Hello, Jamie. If you're listening, uh, I lent Jamie. I I lent him. Ugh, it's tough. Um, I had a Roland Juno sixty, one of uh, my pride and joy synthesizer. When I moved to Canada. Uh, I gave it to Jamie. I did not stipulate, hey, don't sell this to anybody. Uh, but I, I thought that when I came back to Illinois, he would still have it. He did not. Um, so, and that experience happened prior to me lending my, my camcorder, uh, and saying, oh, what, I'll, I'll lend this to you. I just want you to cover some of my songs. Um, the the feeling that I had when I did that is I was like I need to be okay with never getting this camcorder back. <laughs> this is and before maybe, the days where everybody's phone was a camcorder too. Right. So so him so him giving it back to me. That's right. It, camcorders were not easy to come by. Him giving that camcorder back to me was, um, you know. All, all the repayment that I was expecting, like, and even that would have been would have been great. 
the fact that he did that and what what how it worked out it was sort of actually good for him because he was doing a song a day project where he was recording a song a day and so therefore yeah. all of a sudden he had material to uh to use so that worked yeah. out pretty well not just recording him. a song a day and writing and recording a song a day yep that's right he's very talented so uh, I, well within you know, his I, power I was kind of giving you grief about that being a heavy ask, but I was remembering a time when I, um, well, I mean, it's not it's not a one to one comparison, but I I recorded and edited um, a li- a version of the Half Brothers show, old time variety show here at Annex. We, I like I taped the show, but we also like after a couple of the performances, retaped everything in like a studio environment. Yeah, and I cut all that. I cut all that together, so Rick now has like a movie of the of the live play. And I I told him that the the payment I wanted was for the half brothers, so Rick, uh, John, and David Nixon, to score a video that I made which was about a 15 minute long road trip video. It's basically just a time lapse of this road trip I went on. Yeah. And so I basically asked them to to write and record an original 15 minute song. And they did. They, they came yeah. through and it's, and it's great. And see this is, uh, and I, I think you and I, Ben, I know this sounds crazy but maybe you and I <laughs> That's the title have of inf- every episode. Ben, I know this sounds crazy, yeah. but... <laughs> maybe you and I have influenced each other. Maybe we have the same sort of work ethic, mindset, whatever. Um, when you have friends that are artists, you, in my opinion, are better to ask them to do something with their art than to give you money. And there are two reasons for that. One is that... Um, Obviously, you know, an original piece of art from them is sort of priceless in a way, yeah. it, you know, but also it it's good because it gives them motivation to to create more things. And so and it's also, a win-win. I think yeah, motivation and also like um uh maybe validation isn't the right word, but I I I like letting my friends know in like a real way that I like their art. And yes. not just not just like paying lip service, but you know. And the Half Brothers know that I'm a big fan of theirs. They're, I don't think you, I don't think they're they're like, oh, he's a poser fan. But yeah, do the Half Brothers yeah, still because, uh, perform? Have they been doing? Yeah, they do actually. They in fact awesome. they uh, they had a show last Saturday in West Seattle. That's great. I I like the Half Brothers also. <laughs> I did not go. If you. If you should return, don't let it burn, don't let it fade. Um, I, I'm not going to sing it all, but uh, cranberries, Ben, linger. Uh, so, but no. Uh, what I was going to say is, if you live in Seattle and you have a chance to see the Half Brothers, if you haven't, uh, check them out. They're very good. Yeah. And uh, you know, here this is this is what I would. It's interesting for me to say this, um, but I consider the Half Brothers kind of a super group in that (laughs) each one of them on their own is an accomplished solo musician uh, and solo artist. They have they have each of them uh, has produced something on their own that is uh, noteworthy and exceptional. And then they get together. Yeah, I have albums of each of them from each of them. Full exactly. solo stuff. So, and uh, is John is John an awesome as well? He is right. Yeah. So so two members of Awesome and Rick Miller, and Rick, uh, and Rick Miller is of course you know from Rick Miller fame. Uh, too bad about Rick Miller's name, by the way. And what, the reason I say that is that there are so many other people whose names oh. are Rick Miller that if you just look at it. it it's one reason why being Paul Goody on the internet is okay. Uh, you know, it's, there aren't it's, that many others of me. It's funny. I was just thinking about that same thing last night because I was watching. I'm watching the TV show The White Lotus on mm-hmm. HBO, and it's it's created and written by a guy named Mike White. 
I know oh, two yeah. other Mike Whites. Yep. This is the third Mike White that I've uh, that that I've experienced amongst I'm sure countless others. Wait, and I'm no. like, I'm, I mean, there are other bed Lawrence's out there. Very few the way they spell my name. Did not. Oh, and that's something I hate about Google. I'll just uh, Google. You don't have to suggest the other Ben Lawrences to me. <laughs> what well, I didn't spell yeah. it wrong. Um, you know, you have to put quotes around to be like, just look for this one. And even right. now, did you like, mean? Yeah, blah, blah, they're blah, blah. getting. It, it's getting even worse about those corrections as well. Like, like they'll the, they'll say um, very few. Very few results for Ben Lawrence the way that you've spelled it. I've also included these other things for Ben Lawrence. Now, granted, there's a chance someone else might have spelt your name wrong, you know, in their thing of you. So then maybe that will be helpful, but maybe not. Um, if you do a Google search for me, yeah, you know how Google has, um, like, it'll, it'll, it'll put, like, everything in your search. It's actually a thing that yeah. Google does. They don't want you to leave their website. So if you say, you know, what is 30 degrees Celsius into Fahrenheit, it'll just tell you on the search yeah. result. It won't link to a page, a page where you can do the calculation. It also has images, right? It'll just say, yeah. uh, without even clicking the image icon or the image button, it'll just yeah. put images in the search results. For me, it is... Me, not me, 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 not me. But everybody is a Ben Lawrence. Yeah. Wow. Um, what about me? Check it out. <laughs> Let's do a Google search for Paul Goody. Now, the me, not me, those are the images of you. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. I don't Paul know. Goody but biography on imdb.com. Hey... You were born in 1973 in Berwyn, Illinois. That's right. So uh, far, so good. Images, images for you are uh, from Lulwork, mostly, it looks yeah, like. Yeah, most of that stuff is probably from Lulwork. Um, yeah. There's a, I, I recognize an image from Glitch in the Matrix. You got some giraffe and elephant in there. Nice, and then there's nice. like, a... Then there's a person of color. Ah, yes. Brian Paul. Goody. Ah. Well, welcome. Brian, Brian Dash Paul is his first name. Huh. Interesting. Welcome, Brian Dash Paul. <laughs> Goody. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting uh, when, you know, uh, eventually, Ben, you and I will be old enough that there will be something, some sort of database that we aren't in because we're too old to have been in it. I don't know if it's going to be like, you know, mental. I think that might be the next the next thing that, that um, we go to is psychic stuff. I'm not positive, but I think it's possible. Psychic stuff in what way? Like, uh, it's it's going to seem like psychic things. Like, brain-controlled stuff. Things oh, that, yeah, yeah. you know... Sort of like, like manufactured telekinesis. Yeah, maybe you... Or... or um, I think that what's going to first be are devices that you just think at and they do stuff. Like, well, you know, I mean, imagine... Elon Musk is currently experimenting uh, with Neuralink. Yeah. Now, but that's, what Neuralink involves... is and what it's supposed to do, I don't really know. I believe it involves implants of, of a sort. Yeah, and, I, and I they've feel been like... widely unsuccessful so far, from what I hear. I feel like what... I mean, the the barrier, right, to the regular consumer. People aren't going to want something that you have to implant. They're going to want something that you can just, you know, put on. Wear. Like a headband or whatever. Yeah. And and already, I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, but at the Science Center, um, there was a, like a neurofeedback thing. And the more relaxed you are, uh, the ball comes to you. Does that make sense? Like, it's a biofeedback thing yes. where you're you're playing against another person uh, to be the and most relaxed. And you have to be more... <laughs> I would and lose that game. Here's the crazy thing. I'm very good at it. Yeah. Uh, because 
and I think it's because I can wire wire my impulses right to the more relaxed I become, the better I'm doing, and therefore my urge to get nervous becomes an urge to get calm. Hmm. Uh, oh, speaking about which, I watched Firefly uh, for the first time in a in a long time, and that's one of the fun show. things about watch wash. Wash. Uh, the pilots <clears throat> is his he how calm he becomes when he's flying it's yeah. really nice um i love firefly as a show um i don't think it's become Jennifer... as problematic as uh say buffy the buffy verse due to joss whedon's um uh uh the revelations that he was just a terrible person on set, especially to women. Yeah, there there are some things. There's a an episode called Trash. Um, that that Jennifer pointed out. Um, you know the fact that it's called Trash and it's about uh, women. <laughs> it, the main the main plot line is about women is something problematic for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, uh, it it is one of those one of those things that a lot of a lot of and if I can put this in the right context, a lot of the right people enjoy it. A lot of you know, a lot of the queer community, women, you know, people of color, lots of lots of fans of it are you know enjoying the show for its merits in a way that and if you know I can't I personally can't say this necessarily but I think that I can can um, agree with and accept it I saw somebody say something to the effect of he doesn't own it you know this is this is our show um, mm. He might have he might have brought it to the screen, but he can't take it away from us, basically. Yeah, uh, which I like. I guess that's a that's a healthy way to look at it, I suppose. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I the same Just, thing. I mean, it, it happens with uh, you know um, for for role playing games, same sort of thing. You know the the dust up with uh, Wizards of the Coast and the D and D license thing. There. Are, there are a lot of again a lot of creators who who put out supplementary 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 supplemental yeah. uh, material uh, that were concerned you know because it's like you know I made this thing to make the game more inclusive to make it the game that I wanted to be and now they're taking that away from me and that I don't know it's it's interesting it becomes. It becomes its own kind of um, how do I, I don't want to use the word revolution, but it becomes its own sort of thing. Uh, one of the reasons I like the indie role playing game group because it's like, hey, you you find this thing owned by Hasbro to be problematic? Look, here's here's a thing. Uh, like uh, again, I say Paizo. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but the people that did Pathfinder. Uh, you know, they unionized the, the workers for it. Um, they're their own, their own folks. Yeah. They aren't, they aren't beholden to a large corporation and all that. And, you know, you hear, I, I mean, ah, the, the whole idea that Dungeons and Dragons is under monetized and, oh, let's do a thing where, and I'm making this up, right? I don't know that they said this, but. But looking at how video games work, um, you could imagine this, right? Uh, they should spend a dollar to get a stat block for a new monster. Instead of buying a $50 book, then we can get $100 off of them if they want to have all the monster stats or whatever. Yeah. It it's, seems... it's one of those... The reason I heard that this whole like rescinding of the open game license for D&D came about is because some sort of like internal audit at Hasbro slash Wizards of the Coast determined that Dungeons and Dragons is a 
like there is a has sales or value of like over a billion dollars in the marketplace and Hasbro was only making in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And so Which, it's I mean I, <laughs> and now it's we, kind of backfired because they're they're losing subscribers to whatever the subscription D &D service Beyond. is and D&D yeah. &D Beyond and people people are kind of like yeah, their yeah. their Dungeons and Dragons isn't going to be as big of a thing in the culture anymore. Maybe. I mean, and and that's the problem with it being owned by a corporation rather than the people that that like and make the game, right? Yeah. They're in it to and this is this is the thing that um that I liked and I, again, I I hate to <laughs> I hate to uh to bring up the specter of AI art again. But one of the things that I liked about Midjourney <laughs> as a company uh, was Speaking that they of lawsuits. weren't... Oh, wait, what happened? Are there oh, lawsuits? Keep going on your oh. thought. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. It's, it's no, starting. So, so, they, so they were like, we're not, we're not going to get bought out by a company. We want to do this ourselves. We have our own thing. Yeah. We aren't a corporation. We're not here to make money. We're here to make this product and explore the things we want to explore, which I thought was really nice. And that's what Which is probably probably what Gary Gygax is that how you say his last name? Yeah, Gary Gygax, uh, somewhat of a, uh, a a problematic figure in his own right. Um, oh, really? You know, in in some ways, um, he he was well, notorious for um, having a strength. So you know how how D and D works. There there are different values for different. Um, Stats, different attributes. Having a yeah. strength cap for women so that a woman could never achieve the highest strength score. I did not know that. With the idea that, yeah. I mean, stuff like that. Um, Regardless of yeah. how problematic he can be, he probably didn't create Dungeons and Dragons with the idea of it being a corporate endeavor. Yeah, that's right. Um, I it mean, was for players. And but But I will say that that when that started happening there there are people just like uh pink floyd right um david gilmore not necessarily uh wanted to start out to become a businessman but after getting uh problems with uh different contracts that they signed and stuff he became a business guy uh oh gosh yeah. uh gene simmons right kiss yeah Frontman of Kiss is he a businessman these days? He's I a hadn't crazy businessman. You know, <laughs> I'm it's, crazy it's, Gene. It's weird. Um, so uh, famous, Even famously uh, on uh, Celebrity Apprentice, uh, decided he didn't want to do it and got out of it. Just uh, good for just him. Through the uh, just through the game, <laughs> and they're like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Yeah, I, I'm. I, I'm okay." Um, and, and the thing is, uh, the host of this show is a jackass. <laughs> well, that, that was, that was an interesting, um, side to it. Uh, you know, how, how the two of them got along. But one of the things there was, uh, Kodak, right? They were supposed to do an ad campaign for Kodak. And the big thing they said is, you, you know, you want to really push the ink, the ink of these printers. That's what this is about. The, the, the ink. That's how we make and all that. And Gene Simmons made this this phrase. It's it's a Kodak world. Welcome. Nothing to do with the ink, but that catchphrase still sticks with me. It's it's an amazing idea, right? The the overlay, the concept of of the world that you live in uh, is best photographed with Kodak because the world is Kodak. You just don't have it as a picture yet it's a it's not a bad slogan you know not a bad slogan at all um and also i i've been listening to obviously you know dimension 20 the uh the role-playing game podcast thing yes. uh they are doing a a thing on fairy tales right now and i was talking to jennifer about fairy tales in general and about how fairy tales used to be an oral tradition first and then Many things were. Then it got to print, and when it got to print, all of a sudden that became sort of, 
you know, there was uh, kind of a canon that occurred because it was written down. This is this is how yeah. this went. Uh, <laughs> Much and like then religion. When, when Disney makes their version of something, then it's not only this is how it went, but but this is what it looks like, right? So Cinderella and the and glass. And we now slipper, own it. <laughs> when you when you hear that, you think of it in a certain way. Yeah. And the way that I kind of think about all this. And it might be it might be the collective unconscious, I don't know, but I have this idea that there is a there's a an unreachable, right, sort of other space where things exist. And you could say that maybe it's the platonic ideal or whatever, but our brain space, where we where when we think of like I say to you, um, cookie monster, but he's orange. Right, you get an image in your head, right, of Cookie Monster, but he's yeah. orange, and you and I would probably share a very similar version of that, right? Um, and then Cookie Monster, but he's orange, getting fired out of a cannon like a human cannonball, right? You can see that, <laughs> yeah. and Cookie Monster, but he's orange, fired out of a cannon like a human cannonball, goes flying over the Eiffel Tower. And grabs a baguette from a mime who's on the Eiffel Tower and says, this is not cookie, and throws it. And that baguette hits Sir Isaac Newton. And he goes, this is the wrong century, right? So you can imagine that whole thing happening, right? <laughs> In your brain, you can, you can imagine all that. And then we spend... $15 million to get that filmed. And then everyone sees it. But we already kind of saw it, right? We didn't have to have the film version of it. You and I shared that kind of experience in our brains. In already. our mind's eye. And maybe my Cookie Monster looked a little bit different than yours, but you get the idea. So yes. what I'm saying is that there is a... Because this is still of, connected to fairy tales in some way, yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because of language, right? Shared language. Uh, words meaning different things and all that. We have the potential to kind of map out a whole bunch of different scenarios. Right? Stories, as they were. Yeah. And there is something called uh, the UTA, I think it is, yes, the UTA classification. And UTA stands for people's names, UTA classification system of folklore, UTA, the last names, UTA, of three different people who are all involved in this. Uta and Thomas Anderson. <laughs> Um, one one person was from Finland, I remember. Uh, I think it was someone from German, someone from Finland, and then an American. Um, and the basic idea is that they... I think it's like 72 or something, but there are, you know, these basic numbers of stories. And all of them have, like, their own sort of gist to them. And then... And then the variations are... Like, and this is something like, um, I, I'm, I'm throwing this out as an example, um, greedy wife gets comeuppance or whatever. And so the idea is that, and that, that's not really, that's not really exactly right, but you get the idea. There's a, there's a wife, she's greedy, and then eventually it ends up with her, um, having a consequence or whatever. Right. Just just basic phrases like that. And then all fairy tales can fit into these things. And then you also have the Blake Snyder beat sheet uh, where for screenwriters where they where they have the basic bare bones of you know what the what the what the movie is about, um, you know, rising action, falling out, uh, dark night of the soul and all that. And his basic idea is that every movie follows these points. And it kind of is true, but then the layers that you put on it are different, right? 
So yeah. as we, as you and I, Ben, move into the future, we will see a bunch of different stories retold. And as we get older, we're going to be able to recognize them more. Um, and there will be different trappings and all that. But I feel as though when we have these sort of, you know, as uh, we, we've talked about this before, eventually AI is going to make it so that you can cast whoever you want to in a film directed by whoever you want to. You give it time to bake and then you'll be able to watch the thing. And I feel as though as that becomes more and more of a thing, those bones of stories are going to become more apparent. Because we're going to we're going to recognize, oh, well, this is just this plus this plus this. And it, the reason I, I, I mentioned this in context with AI art is because, and this, I, I still want to hear what you were talking about as far as lawsuits go. Because one thing that people are talking about, be, what, before I left, the thing that people were talking about is, well, there, there should be a way to find out uh, what pictures went into making a picture you should be able to backtrack to those people and then those people should be able to get royalties on the picture that you made. And my immediate fear is that someone would take Giraffe and Elephant, run it through and go, oh, well, all Giraffe and Elephant is is, you know, this artist and this artist and this artist. I would like, no, I drew that myself. And they're like, doesn't matter. Human or computer, <laughs> you know, your influences now get to be paid by, you know, that's the thing I'm, I'm, concerned about because we all take from everybody that everything is a remix deal yeah it, the future is just going to be I mean you can say that the, the now is just remixed of uh, of art that has come up until now right you know you yeah. can see bones of Chaplin in movies you can see you know like old um uh, 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 old oral histories, to, to, you know, retold in you know TV shows or whatever. If you look for it, it's not quite like numerology, but if you if you look for it, you'll find it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, honestly, I don't know about you, and I'm sure that I've talked about this before. Search the audio, as always, um, or let but, an AI do it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's isn't that what it probably? That's probably who's searching <laughs> the audio at this point. Uh, but I love covers. I love covers. I love remixes. I'm, I'm a big fan. Give me a song that I like, played by a band that I know from another song that I like, uh, and I'm over the moon. Uh, it's it's really one of life's simple pleasures. Um, so come both? to daddy by Aphex Twin, played by the Dillinger Escape Plan, sung by Mike Patton. Great song. So both Stable Diffusion and Mid Journey are the targets of a copyright lawsuit um, brought on by three artists uh, who allege that these organizations have infringed the rights of, in quotes, millions of artists by training their AI tools on five billion images scraped from the web without the consent of the original artist. So exactly yep. as predicted. Yeah, we and and those of you who have been following this, we've talked about this. Um, I was okay with it. I'm, I'm still, I'm still not totally against it. I I feel as though, and I think I think I might have mentioned this already, but I feel like people are thinking about this the wrong way. I feel like every single image ever created at any time should be in the AI, and then. And then you treat it just like a photocopier. So once the picture is made, if it's a picture of someone else's, then that should be copyright infringement. But if the data is just being used, I'm not too worried about it. However, many artists, including my own beloved child, uh, have said that they are they do not believe this uh, is is uh, thinking about it correctly and fairly to artists that the artists put in labor to make those pictures and yeah. the people who made the AI art uh, generators 
uh, are taking that labor and profiting from it by using their images to feed their machine, and therefore those artists should be compensated. Well, here's a question. Maybe you've answered, maybe you haven't. I don't know, but like when you were in the throes of creating art on Midjourney, okay with the fact that giraffe and elephant have been used mm -hmm. to train it, did you ever think of like a possibility, a world where somebody uses your specific art style to do something not the same, not like, you know, tiger and gorilla are friends or something, but you know, your art style in a children's book, making money off of that. And it's obvious, it's very, it's very obviously your art style, you know, however you want to consider that. Yeah. Okay. So I, and it's really tough because I'll tell you, um, not even making money, right? Um, in Midjourney, there is a way that you can take the seed of what someone did and and make your own images off of it, if that makes sense. So I had a, I had a picture that I made in Midjourney of a, a red-haired woman who was, uh, you know, heiress, goddess of discord. And somebody took that seed and made a whole bunch of their own things. And I felt just emotionally this twinge of, hey, my stuff. <laughs> At first what happened was, I was like, I don't remember making that. Um, yeah. And then I saw that somebody else had made it. And at first I was like, hey, my stuff. But somebody uh, on Midjourney, one of the people that, that you know was using it along with us, wrote, not to me, but just to everyone in general, it's amazing to me how many of you feel as though you're being ripped off, quote unquote, uh, when somebody makes a version of your image, when every image that you're making on here was quote unquote ripped off in the same way from some other artists. Yeah. And that really, that really hit home. That really changed the way that I was thinking about it. And, and so I, I viewed it not commercially, right. But as a collaboration with everyone and that made that person making that off of my uh, image okay because all of a sudden we're just all working together if someone were to like i'll give you another example i drew giraffe and elephant in a guest book for this restaurant someone came back in and drew over my stuff and put like a mustache on the giraffe and made the elephant have you know genitalia and whatever and i didn't like that right that yeah. kind of alteration could happen i mean i'm sure bill waterson's not a big fan of the calvin peeing on stuff sticker although i thought about this uh wouldn't it be funny if bill waterson actually was the one who made those stickers and just made <laughs> tons of money off of it i think that would be hilarious Back. Back in the 80s, there was a big rivalry between the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. More specifically, between Brian Bosworth of the Seahawks and John Elway of the Broncos. And there were, in, in Denver, these t-shirts that were being sold that were these anti-Brian Bosworth t-shirts, right? Sold like hotcakes, because people in Denver hated the boss. Turns out... The boss was behind those t-shirts and made a killing. Nice. That's like even better than betting against yourself because you're, that's, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, yeah. So, so I feel as though, um, whichever way this thing goes, right? Whatever the decision is on this is going to color, you know, the future of how things are, are going. I, I think I mentioned this already, um, the artists that I talk to about this, like the, the, the people who make art for a living, like that's their major source of income. Whenever I tell them about this, uh, they aren't, they aren't like, Oh, that's taking money out of my mouth or whatever. They're like, Oh, that's interesting. I want to check this out. Yeah. But the people that, the people that care about, you know, art stuff don't feel that way. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I think there's a, I think there's a weird, like, okay, if you're, so Ben, let's, let's imagine you are an actor's equity. You're not, 
that I know I of. No. But let's say joined. let's say you you were, right? And someone I is am com- SAG after eligible after all. Yeah. Not equity, but I am SAG after after so, eligible. So, so let's say that oh let's say SAG SAG then. <clears throat> let's say um you're not a member of SAG, but you're able to and someone who is also not a member of SAG is complaining about how people uh, that are on non-SAG products uh, and projects uh, get exploited by the by the people that run them. Right. You're you as a member of SAG are gonna listen to that complaint and go, yeah, that's why. That's, that's why, why the union exists. The union exists because you should be. A, that's sort of how I how I have seen the people who and again I, I if if anyone who's listening here is a is an artist who you know does commissions for like you know things and and all that the people that say you're you're you know people can't pay their rent because of this the people that say that in general from what i've seen are not paying their rent through yeah the art that they're selling i mean it's it's that's interesting because i for like the the three artists that are behind this lawsuit um it's i don't know what their motivation is for for suing um stable diffusion which i'd never heard of before or mid journey but is it because they think that they are losing work or is it because they're trying to protect sort of like the purity of visual art? I, I feel as though this is this is kind of I, I think it's sort of twofold. Right. And, and the thing is that whenever we talk about this stuff, people get two things uh, confused sometimes. There's the there's the training of the A.I., and then there's the art that the AI or the images that the AI generates, right? right? So for the training of the AI, which is what they're talking about, because they're talking about how it's it's using these five billion people, yeah, people's things. If it if they were saying that the AI was creating these five billion images, and therefore these people can't sell this, or, or it's copyright infringement because they're making these images. Then I feel as though uh, the lawsuit wouldn't go anywhere, right? Because it could be proven. Okay, take your image. Okay, this image isn't like one of the things that the that the the guy who ran uh, Mid Journey would say is normally when people say you've taken you've taken my art, we look we haven't used their art in our right. system. Um. So that's number one. Just because you're in the five billion uh, people that, and it's, it's, I don't know if it's pronounced lion or L A I O N. That's the database, right? And what the database is is it's a it's a URL of an image, and then keywords for that URL. That's all. That's this is why people aren't going after uh, L A I O N. Uh, first of all, it's 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 purportedly. Right, doing this just for research purposes. But number two, it's not using any images. It doesn't have any images. The database has a URL to where the image is, and it's and the keywords. So the reason they're going after Stable Diffusion and Midjourney is because they most likely think that Midjourney and Stable Diffusion at one point in time, went out, got those images, and then trained the AI on those Scraped images. Scraped them off the internet. But in fact, it's <clears throat> it's really possible, and I don't. Uh, uh, it gets it gets weird when you get into the technological part of it. It's possible yeah. that they built a a thing that goes out there, looks at the image, but never actually saved the image anywhere. And then it becomes really tricky. So there's no right? server farm somewhere with five billion JPEGs stored. There on is. It. I can say. I can say for, if if there were a server farm with the with that many images on it, I'd be very surprised because the amount of, of space and processing it would take would be huge. Yeah. Um. I mean the, 
Sorry, go ahead. F, F well, I mean, F, I guess I should reframe my comment there about like why they're suing them, um, why this lawsuit is going forward. Um, and it, it's because it's all about exploit exploitation. Yep. And so I'm wondering, but there's, we're talking, there's two different things I think that's going on is that you're, ex, you know, on one camp, you're exploiting artists because you're using their images to create other images, to train an AI. And you again, know, maybe, the, the, maybe you don't even care about creating an image. You're just using your image to train the AI. You're using, and what I would, what I would say is, you're using the labor that they, that they put forth to create yeah. images. You're using, you're using that work for your project. Yeah. So they've, they've essentially done work for, for your project without you paying. For free. Yeah. Yeah. Without you paying. And, and then and there's, there's the camp. Yeah. And then there's the camp who I guess doesn't care about that aspect, but they are the ones who um, want to get paid for their AI work, for their AI generated images. And so there's a whole, like, I think um, a battle between actual visual artists or graphic designers and people who create AI images. Yeah, and that that's a little bit harder to do, especially. And again, there's there's another side of the, so, so the the, the idea that you've stolen stolen their labor, right? The yeah. the work that they put into making these images to to again this is and this is the argument, uh, to make a subscription service, right? People are paying to use these services, so you're making money off of the people that are paying but they're not getting anything for the images that you've used to create this. All of that, that section of the argument, right? Um, I feel like has the most merit, has the most likely um, uh, way forward. Right. The, the, the best argument. There's another aspect of the people who say, um, I would be getting paid to draw people's D&D characters. But because people can now draw D&D characters using this service, I'm not getting that income anymore. That's a harder sell, right? Because it's a counterfactual statement. You can't prove that you would be making that money. It's very similar right. to, to somebody who said, if you didn't run this article about me, uh, I would be getting multi-million dollar movie deals. Well, maybe. But maybe not. You know, that's that's a tougher sell. So that's... So that's a, a harder one, and then finally, yeah, this is the this is the other thing. It's gonna. I think we talked about this already. If we haven't, I walked into using Mid Journey with my eyes wide open. A lot of other people weren't paying attention, in my opinion. They were having us look at images that were generated by Mid Journey and rate them to how good they were. Yeah. And then generate our own images and, and rate the ones that we like and all that. We are still, we are training their AI and we're paying them monthly in order to do that. <laughs> so I think there's a possibility of another lawsuit eventually by the users of the services themselves saying, uh, you know, we, we paid you to do labor for your company. Again, I, I don't feel bad about it because I, I knew what I was signing up for. I mean, yeah. really, uh, the way that it was working, uh, if you were to believe the company, and I have no reason not to, the amount that we were paying offset the cost of running the servers that were running the... I think uh, some of the plans that they had people on were actually uh, operating at a loss, in fact. Yeah. Uh, but again, free research and training their training their images. So, Or training I mean, their I don't know. service. I don't know what the backing is for these uh, things, but like if Mint Journey was a project of like a research university, there's there's funding behind that. Yeah, um, the yeah the funding the funding side of it was always people would bring it up. It would get you know no one would really talk about it too much about who's funding what or whatever. Um, but but it was funded at least in, in in a large part by the user base through subscriptions. So. And again, that was that was the other reason I stopped because you know, Betty was like, "You're you're actually contributing to this, which I find problematic." And it was enough for me to go, "Okay, well, 
I yep. won't do that anymore. Well, it's a good thing you listen to your kid. Yeah, yeah. This is, and I think we talked about this before, but um, when the <laughs> when the old white man is told by a member of the younger generation, "Hey, what you're doing is wrong." Historically, it's never <laughs> been the case that the old white man's like, "I I think I know what I'm doing." Yeah, I think I know better fine. than you. Yeah, I made it this far in life. Hated by so, my community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, oh, that that's a that's another thing that uh, I find really uh, not 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 interesting, but yeah, sort of, I guess. Um, I'm changing the subject, but I think this will make sense. Taskmaster. We got five minutes left in this episode. Yep. Taskmaster. Have you watched it? Have you seen I have episodes not. of it? Okay, it's a BBC you show, should, yeah? You should check it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's worth it, but I can't get it on BritBox, unfortunately. Um, so I have to watch, uh, you know, clips of it on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, but it's but it's really it's really a, a, a fun thing. But the thing is it that another, I was going to is, is it a panel show? Is it? Yeah, it's a panel show. Uh, they're given they're given tasks to do. Like there is one which was. Uh, drink all the vinegar Ew. and they have they have shot glasses like uh you know uh 80 or 100 shot glasses in front of them let's say and of course they're not all filled with vinegar they're filled with all sorts of different things so you have to find the vinegar and then you have to drink it and there's always like something little like there's test strips hidden in the studio and then one person noticed the number 85 was written everywhere. So he found the 85th glass, and that one had the vinegar uh. in it. But someone was drinking all of, the, all of the shots, and they had to go, okay, no, you shouldn't do that, that sort of thing. Anyway, the reason <laughs> This I'm, one the has reason gasoline in it. Yeah. The reason I'm pointing this out is because one of the fun parts of this show is that the, uh, the guy who created the show cast himself as the second in command and like there's a the, so he he made a figurehead as the taskmaster like the person who's making all these people do all this stuff yeah. and and judging and stuff like that but he's actually the one that's kind of you know in charge of it in the same way uh pen and teller right lots of the stuff that that was the most diabolical Teller would do. Teller, but Teller's, you know, this unassuming kind of meat guy. So this is one of those things I think about all the time that as I get older, right, I think that number two position is really what I want to slot myself into rather than <laughs> than being, that, you know, I I want to be the, the number two position the that, but, but the number two position that, like, has the control whereas the number one position yeah. is a figurehead a puppet if you will and so to bring it all back home i think one of the things about goody lawrence that's so interesting is that <laughs> is that we we are kind of we would be the sidekicks in any other in any other show with a strong personality <laughs> They would be the they would be the heads and we would be the we would be the Andy we're two Andy Richters basically. Yeah. You know There's gotta there's gotta be a two person sketch group out there called Sidekick. Or yeah, sidekicks. yeah, yeah, exactly. And if we had if we had thought of that at that time it would be but you know, there's there's the we are the we are the second in command, but because we are uh ourselves we're an Ouroboros of you know <laughs> And therefore, and therefore, equal. It's it's fun. It's just an interesting thing to think about retrospectively. And and speaking of an interesting thing to speak, think about retrospectively, we will um, be bringing in everything we've just talked about into the next episode, which you won't hear for another week. So we're going to be missing out on a lot of historical context. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of things. A lot of stuff has happened. Has happened. Okay, so let's close this out, and then we'll reference that again. So, hey, and Paul, it's the end of this yeah. episode. Hey, Ben, but I got a twist for the people that have listened this far. What's that? This episode, first one recorded, yeah. second one released. 
Oh no. <laughs> so the people, the people who listen to the first one and know that it's the actual, uh, are are going to be really surprised. I I, th I think it's great. It's like it's. Uh, it's like the um, the the Colin show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that so this uh, if you've listened this far, no <laughs> one's going to. But if you've listened this far, um, this is the first. This is actually the first one that we recorded. And we were talking about how it's going to be back to back, but you've actually just listened to the first one we recorded. Right. So hey, we're keep gonna... your recording going. Don't pause. Don't stop it or anything. So, oh, oh no! I, oh, I I thought I would have to because I I need to um, upload it. Uh, we're gonna have to upload it in. I'm gonna upload number one while we're talking, and you can download oh. it, and then I'll upload number two. Does that make sense? You can't. You can't keep them up at the same time. I, I don't think or I have upload. enough bandwidth or space. Sure you do. In Dropbox. Really? You think so? Yeah. Hey, all this is still in, by the way. Okay. Just do keep you, it going. So you want me just to keep going? <clears throat> yeah, and if the Dropbox doesn't work, okay. we'll figure out another another avenue. All right, but, um, so um, it'll be up to Ben to decide when to cut this, but yeah. now... I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when to cut it. I'm just I'm going to say, keep it wrong, Paul. Oh hey Ben, keep it wrong. All right. Talk to you we'll last you week. week. <laughs> we'll see you last week. <laughs> we'll see you last week. All right. All right, and and oh, I didn't. You're fine, nope. right? Okay. That was me. Although it, it I'm wearing gloves, so it didn't really make a noise. Yeah.